Welcome to Another Day, Another Adventure, a podcast dedicated to covering every Dragon Ball cartoon ever. I'm your host, Colton, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Sakaki. How's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good. Allergies are, are killing me, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but and the allergies are super saying right now, but I, I'm, I'm going to live. I, I, I'll do this. I only get stronger with every defeat that my, my sinus gives me. <laughs> You get stronger every time you blow your nose. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so this is going to be a fun episode um, because... Uh, Said as if all the other ones weren't. <laughs> <laughs> no, every, everything's been leading up to this. This is going to be the actual best episode of the show. No. Um, no, but so this is going to be a bonus episode of the show. We're putting this up on our public feed first because uh, we're going to be talking about something pretty recent, which is interesting. Um, so we're going to be talking about a little thing called Legend of Dragon Ball Tale, which for those who don't know, is actually a 2D animated fan film created by Nasir Pasha. I really hope I'm saying his name right. And his team over at uh, Stray Dog Studios. And uh, I mean, it's I'm just going to get this out of the way. It's pretty fucking cool and everybody should watch it uh, if you want like the long and short of it. Like, I guess I should probably give more context. So uh, this is a 10-minute fan film on YouTube that was released on July 6, 2022, so about four days ago. And, you know, it's it's gotten a lot of attention. It's gotten a lot of views on YouTube. Um, I'm looking at it right now. At the time we're recording this, it has surpassed 2.5 million views on YouTube. Wow. Uh, so that's about, like, four or five days that it's been out at this point. Yep, we're, this is the 10th, so yep. Yeah, so it's gotten a lot of attention. People are really praising it up and down, and it's it's deserved, because this is something that, uh, so I didn't actually know about this until, like, I think, like, a week before it came out, because uh, I think, I, I follow Totally Not Mark, which you should also watch his videos, because he's also probably my favorite Dragon Ball YouTuber. He's done a lot of great videos, and uh, he was the one that I saw, like, retweet the trailer for this out. So I literally had no idea about this until like a week before it premiered on YouTube, um, which is interesting because apparently this took like four years to make. And honestly, when you watch it, you can, you can kind of see why. <laughs> yeah, they spared no details in this. I, I didn't know about it until um, obviously Colton talked about it. And obviously he's the he's more into uh, you're you're more into like the YouTube scene. So it's not surprising. So like I didn't know. And it was like totally on my radar. And it wasn't until you were like saying we might have to watch this and talk about this. And I did. And I'm just like, I'm not going to say I had zero expectations going in. Cause, I mean, you know, fan projects, as people know, they're either really fucking cool like this or terrible <laughs> so just kind of like all right um i mean i i i exaggerate but yeah no, I, I, usually... I, I get what i get what you mean though like i was a little hesitant um even though the trailer i will say looked pretty fucking cool um i will say that like i wasn't expecting this to be like terrible or anything but i yeah. also i also didn't have like a whole lot of expectations like i was expecting this to be like pretty fun and interesting but I, i've also seen other dragon ball fan projects that like kind of really turned me off specifically because like you know they, they maybe take the source material like a little too seriously for my taste and yeah and, and you know like it, it's all subjective but for me like i'm not a fan of like when people take dragon ball 2 seriously like when it becomes like a like a Zack snyder film or something when it's all like <laughs> like real and gritty and like too melodramatic like that that's part of the reason why like you know i don't hate like the android and cell arcs or whatever like those are still really fun but you know as as much as i like some of the melodramatic beats in the original series 
you know, sometimes I do just kind of think like, man, this is like just a little too much for me. But that, that I think that's just like a personal thing, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I totally get what you mean. And there, there's that propensity of doing things with fan projects. No, I, I mean, I can't say I'm like super knowledgeable about Dragon Ball fan projects, obviously. But I've seen that for like other franchises like Pokemon and stuff like that, where fans will feel like, well, we got to punch this up a bit, you know, none of that kitty shit. Like, yeah, and, like, it feels like a lot of times, definitely when you see fan conversations about Dragon Ball or Shonen in general, like, that a lot of people miss the point that it is just not necessarily supposed to be this melodramatic piece of work. It is, like, yeah, you can definitely get, your mileage may vary, and you can know, you can definitely take your interpretations away from it, but a lot of times, I feel like the creators at least aren't, they'd probably tell you to chill out, bro. <laughs> it's but, not but, that But serious. Sakaki, have you ever considered that Hunter Hunter is actually a Saiyan manga? Oh, please, no. Well, let's not do that. Like, that's the worst. That and Attack on Titan have just... Oh, God. I don't even want to discuss either one of those. Like, they're both great... Well, one's a great series, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> but, but, um, but which one? I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> you're, you're obviously talking about Attack on Titan, right? Oh, you're gonna make me do. <laughs> Let's talk about what we're here for. <laughs> anyway, um, like yes, you know, obviously we're gonna talk about this more as we get into the conversation. But I do feel like there is like I don't want to say understanding because that sounds really condescending. But like I do feel like the passion for this this project comes from the fact that there is a sense of I don't know. The people that worked on this love Dragon Ball, and you can tell. Yeah, they love every part of it. It's not, we just like this part of the series or that part of the series, you know? Oh, we like it when they fight, but all of that silly shit, like Goku learning to drive, you know, that wasn't part of the original manga anyway. I love it when characters get punched through the chest because it's all gritty and fucked up and adult, and it makes me feel adult. Yeah. Or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, no, no. I know you're somewhat joking, but that's really the mood a lot of people, uh, not... Anyway, that's really the mood that some of the fandom has. It's just like I just like when they put like when they punch each other. I I don't really care for the rest of that silly nonsense. So like yeah, and it definitely shows in this in this uh short film that they like they completely embrace everything that is Dragon Ball. Mhm. No, for sure. Um I guess just just like a few quick thoughts I had on like some of the production here. So um I was kind of looking up stuff about this project and Nasir just like as an animator in particular because uh, I was really interested in like if he had done anything else and uh according to his Twitter account at Remengeance on Twitter apparently he's worked on he's like he's a part of the industry I guess uh because he's worked on stuff like Rise of the TMNT which honestly is probably like the best looking uh Mutant Ninja Turtles show like I I don't give a shit about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I actually kind of want to watch that show um because it, it just looks so fucking cool I don't know if you've seen clips from it Sakaki but like if, if you look up, like, if you look like, bleh, I can't talk today. If you look up, like, a fight from that show, like, it just looks like it's anime. Like, it looks really fucking cool. I've seen clips. I mean, Ninja Turtles, my, you know, well, I'm going to show my age here. I was around for the original one. <laughs> but, like, and watched that as a kid. So, and that's pretty much where I know that they had, like... I know we're getting really off topic, but I know they had like maybe not. I don't want to say a gritty reboot, but I do remember at one point like there was the original, which was, you know, 80s, 90s cartoon. And that should speak enough for itself. <laughs> but welcome to another mutant, another turtle. <laughs> 
listen with the with the animals in dragon ball i could imagine the ninja turtles fitting in just having a place not even living in the sewers it just they just have an apartment in the dragon ball universe look i'm, I'm surprised the turtles didn't have like a cameo appearance in this honestly because they would have fit right in they would have honestly so they they worked on that and then they worked on uh castlevania which holy shit castlevania is so good and uh lego monkey kid which i haven't seen a whole lot of but lego monkey kid is another show that like i've seen clips for and from what i've seen the animation on that is also pretty top notch like this guy's worked on a lot of really cool stuff and then while looking up nasir in his uh career i even found i even found a podcast interview he did uh on the animation industry podcast and uh, i didn't get to listen to the whole thing unfortunately but um you know he kind of talked about how he like kind of got into the industry and like sort of his process uh apparently he's he's like all about 2d animation like he prefers not to work with 3d which i think is interesting like i don't know if he had the same process working on this film but apparently the way he animates is that like he like he he draws all of his stuff on paper first still and then i think he i think he does like a lot of cleanup and stuff like digitally so like like he does everything on paper first which is really cool and i'm assuming isn't something like a whole lot of animators do nowadays i mean i don't i don't know that for sure but from from what he made it sound like, he made it sound like his process was like very specific to him, and it was just really interesting to listen to. Like I'm I'm probably doing a terrible job like explaining it. Like I'll I'll leave a link in the show notes for that episode of the podcast. People should really listen to that if they want to learn more about him and his process. And like you you can even like because I think on his Twitter he even posted like a like a little clip of uh, uh and we'll get we'll get into it. But uh, that specific shot of Vegeta coming in towards Broly like about to land a punch and then like Broly kicks him or whatever. Like you can you. Can see on twitter like his like actual physical paper sketches of that scene and i I thought that was really really cool but yeah so i mean i I guess as far as like who did what on this film like just kind of scrolling through the credits like again this is all speculation on my end uh i mean if nasir happens to be listening to this obviously you have an open invitation to come on the show anytime you want we would really love to talk just dragon ball with you in general um but just kind of looking through the credits i get the sense that like because at least according to YouTube, like Nasir has like general animation credit. And that makes me think that like he did most of the animation on this, if not all of it. I mean, again, I I could be totally wrong about that. But I mean, you know, there's probably a reason why this took like four years to make because I mean, it's it's animated so beautifully. Like I, I don't know if we're going to be able to like really capture fully like how amazing this looks like in audio form like people really should just go watch this like we'll we'll obviously leave links in the show notes for where you can watch it on youtube or whatever but man it's just it's just it's just cool like the first time i watched this I honestly felt like a kid again. Like I, it's going to sound kind of jaded and I don't know if it's like actually true, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I was like really, I was like actually really excited about Dragon Ball in a way that like I hadn't been since like I was a kid, like watching this series for the first time. Like some of this shit kind of had me on the edge of my seat. Like it was just that good. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're totally. And as somebody who actually (laughs) hasn't been excited for Dragon Ball in a very long time until we did this podcast, like, no, I'm totally with you. Like, I haven't been excited for it since I finished Z. So, and this had me on the edge of my Z. I mean, I was telling Colton in DMs that, like, I actually, again, my expectations were just kind of like, okay, yeah, this could be fun. So I was actually playing um, video games a little bit, and I just I just had it playing, thinking, okay, I'll watch it properly later. But no, and I was playing, and then it came on, and, I, and within two minutes, I already put down the Switch, and... <laughs> was completely engrossed in what was going on just because it was just like animated so well and I mean not just anim- I mean we're gushing about the animation but the voice acting the art style everything was very very good like professional grade 
yeah, they tell you in the video up front that, like, they don't use any assets from, like, the franchise. Like, everything they created, like, character designs, the animation, the backgrounds, the voice acting, even the music. Like, that. that's all, like, made from the ground up. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, I mean, obviously, like, a lot of the music are, like, covers of, like, music from the franchise, but they're still covers, you know? Like, it's still their own thing. Like, they, they use, like, the prologue music from the Z anime, specifically from, yes. like, the Blue era, which, I, I'm not gonna lie, I got really excited when I heard that music. <laughs> Same. That That's at the point when I started, when I heard that, that's at the point I had to stop playing games and pay attention, because I was like, oh, I love this song. Like, when you watch this, it's hard to not just watch the whole thing all the way through. Yeah. No, completely agree. Like, as somebody who, again, only watched Z dubbed, like, hearing the original music, that's enough to get my attention. Um, But yeah, I mean, if we if we ever do have Nasir on, I would really like to, like, kind of pick at his brain a little bit and, like, like ask him, like, who kind of did what. Because, like, again, he has general animation credit, but I don't know for sure if, like, how much of this was all him. I'm assuming most of it was him, but, like, you know, he had people, like, working on, like, color direction and, like, background art and stuff, you know, checking frames, general quality check stuff. So, like, you know, m multiple people worked on this, but, like, I'm going to assume that most of the animation is done by him solely, but, again, I, I don't know that for sure. But I think that's enough behind-the-scenes stuff. Let let let's talk about the actual thing. And we're not going to totally go beat for beat on this like we usually do when we talk about, like, the actual show. But, like, I mean, I say that, but I there are also, like, so many great, like, little details that I really want to, like, touch on that, like, that I'm kind of obsessed with, honestly. Like, if you're a fan of Dragon Ball or animation or both, I there's so many, like, great little details in here that, like, I think people will really get a kick out of. Like, I just love the, I, I love the overall look of this film. And it's really hard for me to explain, but I feel like the way it's like, I guess, like shot and filtered, like this feels like you're watching like an old Kung Fu movie on VHS. Like, like it kind of has that feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it feels very gritty, very like, I mean, gritty in a good way, like not like not filtered so much as you can't see anything, but definitely it's harkening back to an older style of like animation that's inherently like darker like, even though I, I, I don't know a better way to put it. It's just very gritty and dark, not in the sense of like, although it does go to some dark places story wise, but like, um, it's just very, I guess old fashioned is the best way to put it. Like this, this has the feel of like, like you're over at a friend's house. And, like, they have, like, a weird anime VHS that, like, you can't find anywhere else that they just happen to show you, you know? Like, this is the kind of thing that I could imagine, like, if you were a kid and you didn't know what anime was and this was, like, the first thing you ever saw, like, this would get you hooked on the anime, you know? Like, I'm, I'm getting really specific vibes from the way this looks. Yeah. Um, and I just love the way that, like, Planet Vegeta looks. Like, it looks so unlike, you know, any time it's, like, actually portrayed in the show. Um, I also love the detail of, like, Nappa and Raditz or guards or whatever. I thought that was a nice detail. And, uh, you know, even, like, the character designs, especially in this, also are, like, really, really good. And, like, you can tell they're Dragon Ball characters, but they feel very specific to this film. Like, this film still has its own look uh, that you can kind of separate from the actual Dragon Ball franchise. Like, even though this is clearly like a Dragon Ball thing, this still feels like its own thing. Like, it has its own identity. Yeah, and I think it does a really good job, of, not just, like, writing-wise, but, like, as you're saying, the, the artwork, too. Like, it is its own thing. Like, if, in fact, they wanted to, and I always, not always, but I look at it this way, like, for fan projects, I, I always feel like, the best ones are the ones that it's like, yeah, they use this franchise, but if it, it would be easy for them to pivot and be like, okay, I'll just, we'll, 
take the assets and make them original characters and still work the same way. But this does that really well. Yeah. But there's also a sense of like, they have an understanding of Dragon Ball that it, I don't know. I, I also can't talk today. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to blame the fact that we're just gushing over this so much. But it, I guess what I'm just trying to say is like, it could work as its own thing, but there's enough in there too that's very much borrowed from the Dragon Ball DNA. Yeah, that it works really well within it. Like this isn't just a congratul, you know, a congratulatory like, yeah, we're Dragon Ball fans and we also can be animators. You know, it it is very much a thing. It was like we wanted we and we're also not self-correcting Dragon Ball either, where it's like, well, Dragon Ball's fine. But if I did it, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, where you get that kind of like um, feel from some fan projects where it's like, yeah, they're fans of it. And I and I wouldn't say they're not, but it's also just like you can kind of tell like yeah we're we like this but we could do it better there's no sense of that kind of like um hubris i guess in this it really is just like yeah we love dragon ball it's amazing and we're just this is just us saying here this is what we love about dragon ball concentrated in 10 minutes for sure for sure um and then i guess uh we can just kind of go to like the actual tournament which um you know when i first saw the trailer for this and even like the first time i, I watched the video you know, I kind of thought that, like, this was specifically taking place during the 23rd Budokai, because the film kind of takes place at the World Martial Arts Tournament Stadium, you know, with uh, Goku fighting Chi-Chi, and they, and they do that whole thing where, like, Goku's fighting Chi-Chi, and Chi-Chi's mad because Goku doesn't remember her, and <laughs> I, I, re- I really love, they're actually, like, some good comedy beats in this too, which I really appreciate. Like, I don't know what it is, but I, I laugh every time, like, I mean, first off, I feel sorry for Chi-Chi in this, you know, for multiple reasons. We'll talk about all those reasons all throughout the discussion. But, like, one reason I feel really sorry for Chi-Chi is that, you know, she she fell in love with an idiot. She fell in love with a guy who doesn't even remember her. And, like... I remember her much as he doesn't know what love is. <laughs> like <laughs> He thinks it's food. Um, exactly. <laughs> but, but like, I just love that bit where, like, she's just getting so upset. Like, oh, Goku, it's, it's me, Chi-Chi. You promised to marry me. And, like, I really love, like, Goku's reaction. The reaction of, like, all the, like, drummers and, like, the audience. And, and the one line we get from Krillin where he's like, well, that's life's over. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I just I just love how like awkward and like intentionally cringy the moment is. It's so good. It, it it really is. Like that moment always gets me laughing too. Just the deadpan delivery. Again, I'm gonna go back to the voice acting. Very good. Like I don't know any of these voice actors, so I can't say that they're I, I'm sure I don't know if they've done I mean, obviously they probably have done other things, but like I don't know if they're like pros or anything like that, but all the way around, like all the voice acting was super duper good. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of these actors have been in like professional projects. Okay. I didn't get a chance to look up like a whole lot of their stuff, but um, I did look up uh, Elise Lovestock, who was the voice of Chi Chi, and she's done her fair share of like fan projects, but she's also been in like anime dubs and video games and stuff. So she's done like a lot of professional work, and like on her website, you can like listen to her demo, and she has she has like quite the range. And I I thought she did a really good job portraying Chi Chi in particular. I honestly I, I think her performance, other than Vegeta's, was like my favorite performance voice yeah. acting wise. Well, I I was just about to say that she's like she. 
she's very much the standout. Like, not to say the other characters weren't good, but she's very much the standout of this dub, which is kind of saying a lot. Because, like, she, not to say she doesn't say much, but, you know, the focus definitely shifts, like, from her and Goku as, you know, um, the short movie goes on. But, like, her performance is so good, it just really left an impression on me. I, honestly, like, if Toei were to, like, do a reboot of Dragon Ball someday and we get to this point, I would love to see her just do, like, adult Chi Chi again. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, Cynthia Kranz, like, is like dub wise, she does a great job voicing Chi Chi. And like, it's hard for me to not like imagine her voice uh, when I think of Chi Chi. But like, if for some reason she couldn't perform the role anymore, you know, I I would I would love for Lovestock to kind of come in and take over the role. Like, I I would be okay if she came in to take over the role if need be. Okay, okay. But hot take. Uh-huh. I actually kind of like the Vegeta in this more than the, the like official dub. You know, that's that's fair. Like, I like Christopher Sabat as Vegeta, but uh, Jordan Woolen, again, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing anyone's names wrong, but yeah, he he was the voice of Vegeta in this. Like, yeah, I, I loved his performance in this in particular. Like, you could tell he was like channeling the dub. Yeah, you, you could tell he's channeling that, but like. I still felt like his performance was still kind of his own. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. 100% agree with you. I It's a thing where it's like a lot of the cues are taken from the dub. And I, and I kind of like that. They didn't just go completely just like, again, that's one thing that helped a lot and not making it seem like we're just correcting the dub's wrongs or correcting the series wrongs. No, the fact that they are channeling the dub voices, but doing their own things with them is also just a wink and nod that, yes, we love this stuff. Because like, again, most of these, like if you were to other, I mean, they yeah, I, I would say most of the characters sound like the dub characters. I mean, Goku's probably the only one that sounds like really different, but in a good way, not not in a bad way. But otherwise, yeah, like I would think that if there were no credits on this, you could easily convince me that they got the dub voice actors to do this. That being said, again, I, I like Vegeta here more than the dub Vegeta. So I think that's fair. Like, you know, again, I, I like Christopher Sabat's performance most of the time, but I it's one of those things where I feel like he he's definitely like grown a lot with his role because he definitely sounds way different now than he did compared to like when he first started out, you know? That's fair. Especially like the deeper his voice gets and the more deeper voice characters he voices. I mean, that's fair. That's fair because, I mean, again, I, I haven't watched the dub Dragon Ball in a long time. So like, yeah, that's fair. Oh, you know, we, I didn't even talk about some of the stuff we see, like, before we get to that fight. Um, So there are definitely some Easter eggs in this that I really appreciate. Uh, Sakaki, I'm going to throw one of them out there to you and see see if you caught this. Um, Did you happen to see a little character sitting outside the tournament arena? It's in the shot right before we see Goku and Chi-Chi's poster. Because uh, I, I didn't notice this until, like, the... Th- third or fourth time I watched this, but like, if you look at that shot before we get to Goku and Chi-Chi's poster with all the like people sitting around and like entering the tournament stadium, uh, you could see Toriyama's avatar in there. Oh, dude, I didn't. Uh, okay, I'm looking at, at it now and yeah, I see it. <laughs> yeah, he's like sitting there eating rice balls and stuff. That's so cool. I didn't notice that. I, I just thought that was a nice little detail. Got to give tribute to Toriyama somehow. I, I mean, of course, of course. I mean, even though this this whole thing is literally a tribute to Toriyama and his work, but still, you know what I mean. Um, So I thought that was a cool detail. I really want to talk about the shot with the poster because um, I was saying earlier that uh, I just assumed this took place like in the show. Like this was one of those things where it's like, 
like it's like a what if like ooh what if Vegeta actually came to Earth at this point in the show which that that's been done like here and there in like other fan projects that I've seen but like um so looking at the poster and looking at that shot and just kind of like watching through this film a couple more times I think this is taking place in its own universe like completely because you can see the date on Goku and Chi Chi's fight poster that this fight is taking place on April 26 1989 and uh, Sakaki do you know the significance of that date off the top of your head I don't educate me <laughs> I, okay so I, I had to look this up because I was like that's a very specific date and so I looked it up and I, I kind of had a feeling it was this but uh I looked it up and April 26 1989 is the same day that the first episode of Dragon Ball Z premiered in Japan ah uh, that, that totally makes sense too and yeah would have yeah it would have been just as a new anime season well slightly after new anime season starts because for people that don't know new anime seasons january april july and october so like yeah they probably would have planned for it to be slightly after that okay mm-hmm. so yeah i just thought that was a nice again another nice little easter egg and uh so I, I don't know, like, the, the, the way that, like, this all works is interesting, because, like, so I don't know if this is taking place during, like, an actual Budokai, like, an actual, like, full-on tournament with multiple people, because, like, and maybe I'm overthinking this, but, like, that poster, like, advertises, you know, Goku and Chi-Chi's fight in particular, so I don't know if this is supposed to be, like, a single fight, or just, like, one fight out of, like, an entire tournament, because then you also have, like, because there's also, like, a wanted poster for Piccolo right behind that poster, which is cool, and that's another thing, too. The whole time I was watching this, like, assuming this is taking place, like, in the show, I kept thinking, like, where is Piccolo in all this? Like, are they supposed to be fighting Piccolo eventually or whatever? Like, what, what does he think about all this? <laughs> yeah, in a couple of the crowd shots, I was expecting to see him there or something like that. But, like, no, you don't see him. So that's when I, I admit, like, I probably didn't think about it as much as you did as far as when this takes place. I just assumed, hey, he's fighting Chi-Chi, so it takes place at that type of time of the show. And, you know, obviously it's somewhat of an alternate timeline since, you know, no Piccolo and everything like that. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't think that deeply about it, which is why it's great to do a show with you because <laughs> you do all that thinking for me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm the brains. <laughs> I'm the white blood cells. <laughs> But oh, one one really small thing yeah, sure. before you go on is just I do like the nod that they have where like Vegeta shows up and he throws his cape into the audience and Bulma catches it and she has like this little this cute little smile like that nod was so good and then you also see Yamcha just like oh no <laughs> like <laughs> like he knows what's coming. <laughs> It's great from a just a standpoint of being able to animate this after Dragon Ball has ended so long so that you could pull off something like this. Yeah, it's, it's like a little nod to like what's coming up, you know, in the future. Yeah. Um. So actually, I'm glad you brought that up because one, I have one very nitpicky thing that's probably going to sound really annoying, but I have to get it out of my system. So I don't know if you noticed this. You probably didn't. And that's not a slight against you, but th this is this is something I kind of noticed and kind of bothers me now that I've now that I've watched this multiple times. But um so we have that we have that first crowd shot during that bit with Chi Chi telling Goku that he was supposed to marry her uh, with like Krillin, Yamcha, Launch, Puar, Oolong, Chaozu, Tenshin Han. And I think someone that looks like Trunks, but I don't think it's Trunks. Cause it, it's the guy with the purple hair and he's wearing like a red headband or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, know, that, I know, I don't know if that's supposed about. to be Trunks, but it, it probably isn't. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I saw that. And like, I feel like that probably was just a guy. It's probably I feel like it's just probably a nod where it's like they expected somebody to probably pick that out and be like, wait, is that Trunks? That makes no sense. Like he, he, <laughs> the guy looks enough like Trunks. Or you can make that, you know, be like, whoa, 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 these guys don't, wait, that doesn't make sense. 
But with everything else in this the short movie, like I would be hard pressed to believe that they'd really make that mistake. I just feel like it's just kind of a nod. Like, yeah, there's a guy that looks like Trunks, but he's clearly not him. No, for sure. <laughs> um, but I was gonna say, so you have that crowd shot, and then you have that crowd shot with Yamcha and Bulma. And that kind of bothers me because it's like, well, Boma wasn't in that first crowd shot. So, like, where did she come from? And, like, it looks like a completely different crowd shot with, like, different designed characters. And I mean, like, again, this is, like, a dumb thing to complain about. But it's just, like, my, my brain is just, like, I wish that were more consistent. Like, why wasn't Bulma in that other shot? But, like, this this was made by, like, multiple people still. And I'm, I'm sure, like, a lot of these different, like, background shots were contributed by, like, different people or whatever. So it's, like, I get, I get it. It's a dumb thing to complain about. But again, my, I can't help it. My brain's just like, it's not consistent um, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, yeah, when you look at it, too, like they're all sitting together in the first crowd shot. And, you know, they're sitting in close enough proximity that you'd think that everybody would be in the second crowd shot, too. But then you don't see like Tien and all the others in the second one either. Mm-hmm. And Saitama's there, too. <laughs> True. Yeah, I see him. I see him like he's he's cut off slightly. But yeah, you can definitely tell like, yeah, that's Saitama's um, outfit. Which, uh, that, that's funny. I think that one I found because someone else on Twitter pointed it out and I was like, oh shit, that is him <laughs> or whatever. And also Kami and Popo are like watching over the fight. So like, are, are they holding this tournament or are they like the guests of honor? I guess. Yeah, that was something I was kind of thinking about. Cause like, it, I, I admit that my memory, well, no, actually, yeah. Cause, uh, Jekka walked through it and I remember like Kami participates in this tournament. Yeah. He, he takes over the body of like someone else or whatever but still yeah yeah um so yeah like again assuming this was supposed to be taking place during the 23rd budokai exactly it was just kind of like well like why is he there like i i guess he i guess he's just like watching the fight like he you know like like he and popo are always living up in the lookout you know they don't really get to be a part of anything it's like i i don't blame them like i want to get out of the house every once in a while i get it <laughs> i want to go out and do something um okay but i i think we're getting to the point where we're getting to the fight and like Vegeta shows up, which, you know, that shit was cool. Oh, you know, what? actually, before we even get to that, um, I was not expecting Broly to be in this. That was something that they specifically hid from the trailers, which I, I do appreciate. Yeah, like I kind of started thinking it was Broly. Like I admit for a second, I was just like, OK, it makes sense for Vegeta to show up because like, again, I didn't watch any trailers or anything. Literally, you just brought it up and was just like, yeah, we should maybe watch this. And I'm like, OK, so I didn't see any of the trailers or know anything that going so you into didn't this. watch the trailer that I sent you. <laughs> I know where I know where our friendship stands now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a thing where I like you sent it and I probably meant to, but then forgot, which is pretty much the story of my life. <laughs> but like, yeah, and I'm actually in a way. I mean, as much as this is, sounds kind of fucked up, I'm kind of glad I didn't. So, like, a lot of this was mostly a surprise to me. That's, like, that's fair. I kind of figured, like, when Vegeta showed like obviously it starts off with Vegeta. So I kind of figured, okay, he's going to show up at this Budokai and be like, all right, Kakarot, you know, I'm, you know, drafting you. We've got this <laughs> thing going on and I'm taking you with me now. That's what I thought the story was going. But then, obviously, when this guy attacks Goku and Chi-Chi... You know, I know that Broly's color is kind of like this greenish color. So like when he was using his attacks and everything, I was like, is that Broly? That's gotta be Broly. <laughs> yeah, he, be he, do, he does throw like a green key blast at them or whatever. So I, I guess I, I should have figured like that was Broly. That, that should have been like the signifier, I guess, because Broly's green. But yeah, still, I wasn't like expecting that. Like there's a lot of stuff in the film they don't show you in the trailers at all, which I, I really do appreciate. Like they kept a lot of this a surprise. 
which I think was the best way to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bro- Broly shows up and he fights Goku, not before he knocks the shit out of Chi-Chi, um, which he does twice. And I mean, I guess I'm talking about it now. We're, we're kind of all over the place, but it's fine. Um, I feel really sorry for Chi-Chi in this. Like, she tries. She really tries. Like, like that bit where, like, Broly and Vegeta are fighting, and, like, she comes in, she's about to fuck Broly's shit up, and, like, her muscles start expanding. I'm like, ooh, what's gonna happen here? Like, I got really excited. I'm not gonna lie, you know? Um, And then she gets her arm twisted by Broly, and I'm just like, ah, this is, you know, like, the one thing that I didn't really care for for this, and again, this is, this is also, like, a personal thing. I still really love this film and everything about it, but I feel like the way that Chi-Chi is treated, and I mean, again, she, what's she gonna do against Sans? Like, I totally get that, but I feel like, I feel like the way that, like, she's kind of taken out so quickly, and, like, her being hurt is motivation for Goku to transform, like, I, I feel like that's just, like, such an old, like, trope in, like, stories in general, you know, like, it's, it's a little too close to, like, fridging for me. It's not totally that, so maybe I'm just being too hard on that story beat in particular, but I don't know. I, I just feel bad for Chi-Chi. Like, I, I kind of wish she was able to do more, but I know at the same time that she can't, I guess. I don't know. I'm very mixed about her treatment in this film. Yeah, like, I like the fact that she does show that initiative and jumps in to try to save Goku from this threat that she has no idea of what's going on. I mean, he doesn't, so obviously she doesn't. So I kind of like that, that she has that kind of initiative to jump in and try to do something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, me too. I was kind of, I, I did kind of feel bad, but it's also kind of like, on one hand, as you said, what's she going to do against Saiyan? And it, and it is just like, with this kind of thing, you it's either you adhere to the source material, or you go completely off the wall and do <laughs> or, something or Chi- different. Or Chi-Chi's the one that goes Super Saiyan. That would have been fucking wild. That would have been that would have been pretty awesome. Like, <laughs> why not? Go for it, guys. But I also understand this is supposed to be a love letter to the source material. And unfortunately, the source material also isn't super kind to um, you know, anybody who's not a Saiyan. <laughs> so yeah, like pretty much. It's unfortunate. Like, I get what you're saying too, and I'm not necessarily saying, well, you, I'm not necessarily trying to imply that you're saying, well, these guys could have done better. They should have, you know, had Chi Chi go Super Saiyan, or they're wrong for like, yeah, but unfortunately, when working with this kind of thing you can only do so much before it just becomes like a totally different series whatsoever uh altogether and yeah yeah, i mean but i do agree i I did feel kind of bad like i guess maybe for me it was like the first time i don't want to say i excused it but the first time i was like okay i could kind of understand like she loves this guy as much as he's a big moron (laughs) unfortunately she loves him yes yeah so like yeah i totally get her jumping in and wanting to save somebody she loves so the first Mm. time i was like okay fine fair you know, but I do feel like the second time maybe might have been a bit gratuitous. Maybe, yeah. It really reminded me of, like, when Videl is fighting uh, Spopovich in the Boo arc, and, like, she just gets totally wrecked and, like, Gohan has to watch. Like, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit, which, I mean, thankfully, you know, this didn't go on too long in this in this special. Yeah. Whereas with the example I just brought up from the original show, you know, Specifically, Videl versus Spopovich comparatively is a lot harder to sit through because, you know, that's a lot more drawn out and even a little gratuitous. So it's a little harder to sit through. I don't know. I I get kind of uncomfortable when I have to watch like female characters get hurt just to like further progress the, I guess, the arc of the male characters. I don't know. It it just feels kind of weird. Yeah, no, I I, I get you on that. And yeah, it is it is kind of unfortunate that that's a lot of time the motivation for the male characters. But yeah, it it feels weird if you think about it a little too much. Yeah, 
And, I, and I'm not saying that it was like that in this, but it was just a little like, man, I wish he was able to do more. I feel sorry for it. Like, literally, literally at the end with all the fighting's done, Goku just goes up to Chi-Chi, like, still, like, probably unconscious on the ground. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember your Chi-Chi. Like, he just, he just sounds so, like, nonchalant. And I'm just like, man, if I were Chi-Chi, I would have been like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I would have been so mad. <laughs> that, that felt like, I mean, I, I've mentioned it in our previous episode, but like, yeah, I'm watching a bridge that felt like it's an abridged joke. Like, just last night, I was watching a couple more episodes with my girlfriend, and like, yeah, when I rewatched a little bit of this this morning, it was just kind of like, that That feels so much like something you'd expect out of DBZ abridged. <laughs> Oh, it, the delivery and like the the just the scenario and delivery is, is spot on with that but yeah yeah like again like i said i was fine with her the first time but like i i kind of wish like at that it felt like just the second time it could have been just things she was like yeah i'm way over my head as much as i love this guy i'm gonna let this <laughs> I, I i know this sounds really messed up to put it that way but like yeah i, I just felt like mm. but i we don't I, obviously we're not here to hark on that a long time like no I mean, yeah for, i, I don't want to harp on it too much but it, it was it was just like a very little thing that kind of bothered me a little bit in an, in an otherwise really like phenomenal piece of animation um i really love the way that like when vegeta lands on the arena like his like point of view through the scouter looks really cool yeah, and of course they had to do the over nine thousand joke. You you can't <laughs> we, have a we, we dragon ball not thing have that in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if this was like a specific Easter egg or not, but if I remember correctly, because before he reads Broly's power level, he reads uh, Goku's, and Goku's power level is around like three thirty or something, like three hundred and thirty. Um, I'm pretty sure that's like the level he's at around the time he fights Raditz with Piccolo at the beginning of Z. Ooh, okay. Wow, you're really good at picking this stuff out. <laughs> I, I didn't double check that, but like that's just a very specific detail I remember from like the beginning of that arc. I guess um, I'm pretty sure that's it. I probably should have double checked it, but I'm I'm like ninety percent sure on that. Speaking of like little details, just like the Simone Goku's gi is food. Oh, okay. I had I, I had no idea. <laughs> so, like, I, and I know like they had like most of the Japanese in this is pretty spot on. So like I'm pretty sure that wasn't a mistake. <laughs> like if it was a mistake, it's a very specific one. But yeah, it says food. I couldn't quite read like Yamcha's, but I think it said wolf. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. They in the credits they did have someone helping them with like translation and kanji and stuff. So yeah. And also speaking of that, like I don't know how familiar you are with, like Studio Triggers works, but I love like the way that the characters' titles like Broly's and um Vegeta's they were very Studio Trigger like inspired. Yeah. And I love yeah. That. <laughs> I that that felt very Kill a Kill to me in particular. Yes. Specifically that. Good. 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 I was thinking about that when I was watching. I was like, I wonder if Colton knows about it. Oh, buddy, I watched Kill a Kill as it aired week to week <laughs> yo okay cool 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 i watched it afterward but like yeah like i love just the way they do that and like the font is a character of its own <laughs> oh my god yeah just just the way it like pops up on screen then kind of like explodes and then like the way that like broly's kanji calligraphy like kind of like sh like shines through him almost like th these are the details in this are so fucking good <laughs> yeah they really are they really, really are. I love it. Um, and we were we were kind of talking about like overall character designs and stuff earlier, but like I think Vegeta's design is like my favorite in this because like he he's obviously Vegeta, but like he has just like a very specific look to him with like the specific like outfit he's wearing and even like the, like the 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 crown 
that he's wearing on his hair. I don't know if that's a crown or like like a hairband. Like it is kind of funny that they kind of put it in like in the middle of his like tall spiky hair. And, and, and that's kind of a funny detail. But like, yeah, he has like a very specific aesthetic going for him that like I've never seen in like another Dragon Ball thing. Yeah, no, like a lot of the character designs, they hew close to what the originals are, but they do enough with them where it's like they make it their own. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like with animation, you have the character designer to make things easier for the animators. And I mean, even with official anime and everything like that, that's why, you know, with manga, especially manga adaptations, they, they never look exactly the same. Because, you know, you have to standardize them. And I feel like they did a really good job of just, like, making the character designs flexible and everything. Because, obviously, there's a lot of fighting and a lot of movement in this. Oh, yeah. While these are characters are still very much recognizable. I also really love the background art. Yeah, like, yeah, It's very for sure. sketchy, mm-hmm. but solid, I, I, for lack of a better term. It's like, it's there, and you can definitely tell they use the environment really well, which is something I feel like not just anime fights, but fights in general don't do. Mm-hmm. Which is like, the background's just kind of just static thing that just... Okay, you know, we can't have them fighting in white space. This isn't Bleach. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they don't use the environment much. But, like, in this, I feel like there's a sense of, like, the characters aren't fighting in a liminal space. They're fighting in a world, you know, like, and and I dig that very much. Like, I already really love the world of Dragon Ball, but, like, I would love to see the rest of the world through the lens of Legend. Like, holy shit, I, I need to see what the rest of this world is like. Even if it is supposed to be just the Dragon Ball world, but with, for lack of a better phrase, with like a different coat of paint, like I, I still, I still really want to see the rest of this world. Yeah, but uh, man, we barely like talked about a lot of the fights, which I think says a lot about like how much there is to like just kind of pick apart and talk about. But like, I mean, obviously. The action of this is incredible. I love the way that, like, because uh, we talked about Broly earlier, and like when he takes off his cloak and you have his like calligraphy behind him. I love the way, like, when he transforms, he his like muscles kind of like move around and expand. Like, oh, that like grossed me out, but it's still kind of it's still kind of cool. Like, I really love the way transformations are handled in this. Yes, because I feel like in most of the franchise, at least the animated franchise, like I feel like when characters transform or like power up, it's just the simplest like. And now I'm a different color, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> the, the clapper, <laughs> the way you just did just a clap light off, light off the clapper. Oh, man. <laughs> like sometimes they just kind of turn into a different color and that's it. But like with stuff like this and like, you know, like in Dragon Ball Super Broly, like you see like the process of like their transformation, like you see them like actually turning different colors or like like you see a physical change. Yeah, it's very visceral. It seems like it's almost a little painful, like you just pointed out, just like it, it looked kind of like kind of gross a little bit. But yeah. like, yeah, these guys are transforming into more battle ready states. It's going to look a little awkward and like and and I like that. Like, obviously, yeah, with a TV production, it's like, you know, you can only do so much. But yeah. Like yeah. with movies and stuff like this. Yeah. Seeing the characters kind of muscles expand or them take on awkward shapes and everything like that. And like, yeah, it, it's it makes that transformation. First of all, it, obviously, it's easier to keep that kind of stuff in mind. You know, it, it stays in your mind more when it's like this kind of visceral kind of transformation versus just, as you said, turning a different color. Yeah, that, there's that. And the fact that a lot of these transformations are, for example, Goku's, which I'm we're going to probably get into detail about. It's new to him. This is a new thing that he's never done before. Yeah, so it, looks it looks painful. painful. Lo- yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It looks painful. It looks awkward because this isn't something he's used to. 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But I do want to talk about Vegeta and Broly's fight because I, I think it's the best section of this short, quite honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, there's so many great moments in here. Like, I love the way Vegeta fights. Like, you can tell it's hard to pinpoint but i feel like at some point in the franchise whenever people have to draw like vegeta fighting he like has his own fighting style compared to like the other characters and the way he like moves his body around and i feel like the saiyans in this version of dragon ball all move very like monkey like you know yes like vegeta you know when he's kind of like dodging blast from broly like he's kind of like this might be a weird comparison. It kind of reminded me of like how Inosuke fights in Demon Slayer, where like his thing specifically is that like he fights low to the ground, specifically like a beast. And I kind of felt like there was a little bit of that in here. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that was a specific point of reference, but I think it's the same idea. Oh, yeah, no, I, I kind of got that, too. Like, there's more, I guess. And again, obviously, as the franchise goes on, this kind of diminishes a little bit. But like, there's more of a sense of like speed and like uh, fluidity to these fights, where they are fighting like feral beasts more so than just you know whoever can punch hardest wins. Like, it is just like, even one thing I did like about the fight too is like Vegeta going in and out of the transformation of Super Saiyan. Oh my God, Broly! <laughs> Broly smacks the Saiyan out of him a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that so much. Like, and I like that, like, for a little bit, he fights that way. And then, you know, he turns it back on. But, like, yeah, it's just, I really dig that. Because you don't, you don't see that much in, like, the franchise itself. It's like, you know, if they get depowered, it, it's, they just stop fighting until they're able to get the strength to come back and continue. But in this, it's like, he goes in and out of it. And they just, the fight, just, we don't have time to slow down like that, you know? No, yeah, like, usually when, like, Saiyans lose their, like, Super Saiyan powers, you know, they, they have that iconic, like, depowering Toei sound effect that they use, and their hair just kind of goes back to being their natural color. But but in this, like, when Broly beats the shit out of him, it almost looks like he's, like, smacking the gold hair dye out of Vegeta's hair. Like, it, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so cool. And I... Oh, there's so many great, like, bits in here. I mentioned the bit earlier where, like, Vegeta's about to come in to punch Broly, and then Broly, like, kind of kicks him in the air. Broly flies up and, like, punches him in the ribs. Like, ooh, th like, that's really good. And then I think my absolute favorite bit of animation in this that, like, I laugh at every time because, like, I love the way it moves is when after Broly punches him and his fist is, like, still in his gut, you know, Vegeta grabs his fist, throws Broly onto the ring, and then I love the way that like Broly bounces up and down yes, on the ring. It's so yes, good. Yes. <laughs> it, it just brings me like I I, I I know I keep bringing up the abridge, but it just makes me think of the squeaky noises. <laughs> That's the, all I can think of. Just every time bounces boing. Like the sonic <laughs> spring of found. <laughs> it, it like it like happens for like a solid couple of seconds. Just hit just like Vegeta punching Broly into the ring and the ring like kind of bouncing up like it like he's punching him into a bounce house like it's so good yes. <laughs> yes yes like i mean finally when he like finishes the attack it's like then he like breaks into it but it's like the first time i was like what is that thing built out of that it could just take that i mean i guess with as many years as goku's been fighting at this thing probably somebody was just like okay we, we gotta make built this ring to last you know like <laughs> we, we, we gotta build this ring out of like silicone or something because <laughs> like yeah this this kid keeps coming back and it just keeps getting wrecked <laughs> So, but speaking of which, I'm kind of surprised the announcer isn't here at all. Yeah, there's no, oh, actually, that's right. The, the, the tournament announcer is not here. That makes me sad. He would have, you know, like, 
I don't want to come off like, oh, it's not as good without him. But, like, I think having him there to, like, comment on the fight would have really added another layer of comedy to this, I think. I think that would have been really great. Like, could you could you imagine, like, the kind of, like, over-the-top, like, reaction takes he he could have had in this? That guy just turned into a monkey. He, like, breathed fire and became a monkey. Like, <laughs> Goku's on? face literally lit on fire, Ghost Rider style. <laughs> He became Ghost Coup. <laughs> Common writer Ghost Coup. Let's do it. <laughs> I would. I would actually watch the shit out of that. I, I would too. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I can understand. Like, obviously, when they were making this, they had a length in mind and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and and speaking of that, like, I'm not going to go into too much into transformation now, just because I know we're we're going to gush about it. <laughs> but we're getting there, yeah. Like, because that was by far my favorite thing of this thing. Oh, um, oh my god. Uh, yeah, the fact that when Goku got punched out by Broly originally, like he has his tail, which is something else, which is really interesting, like a really interesting um element in this as well which is i guess that sets you up for telling you this is not the dragon ball you're going to be used to that's true that's true because obviously if this were like the 23rd budokai like kami would have already like taken his tail off or whatever yeah a- another bit that like had me like oh shit this kind of feels like something that could happen in like a video game where like after like vegeta uh throws broly into the bounce house <laughs> I, I love that, like, Vegeta goes in for the final flash. He's in the, he's right in the middle of it. Then, like, Broly, like, instant transmissions behind him, grabs him. Like, it's literally like in a video game where, like, the guy you're fighting is about to do a special move, but you somehow grab him in the middle and it stops his attack. Like, it's exactly like that. Yes. And, like, I yes. th- that was another moment was like, oh, shit. Like... <laughs> That caught me so off guard. The timing on that is really, really good. It's it's legitimately surprising. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's, you don't see it from Broly's point of view or anything like that. It, it literally is just Vegeta and he pops up behind him, gives him a noogie. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, it's just very feral combat. Yeah. Like, this isn't planned like, or like strategic or like, okay, this guy does this, so I'm going to do this in retaliation. It's just like, that guy's going to fuck me up, so I'm going to appear behind him and just try to twist his head off or whatever. And like, it's, it's what you'd expect from monkeys fighting, like, like for lack of better terms. Yeah, th- this is where it just becomes like a bare knuckle boxing match or whatever. You know, like it becomes, like you said, very like simple and feral. But this is also the point where, you know, Vegeta is obviously getting worn down. And then he brings out the key sword. Yes. Oh, that was so fucking good. And the way he the like the way he like brings it out and then he does this like little stance like whew, like I just I oh, my God, it's so fucking good. And then he cuts off Broly's hand and like I'm not going to. So this might be a weird thing to say, but like. And the more I thought about this, the more I realized, like, oh, I, sh- I should be more used to this because Dragon Ball in some portions of the series does have its, like, fair share of, like, you know, limbs flying around and dismemberment. Like, literally, th- this is this really isn't too much different from when, like, Nappa punches Tenshinhan's, like, whole arm off or whatever. But, like, yeah. there's something so, like, visceral about the way when, like, Vegeta cuts off Broly's arm and you have, like, the blood splatter. You can even kind of see, like, Broly's bone. Like, it, it just, for some reason, when you see bone, it feels more disgusting. And it feels, it, it feels a little, it feels like it's a little harder to watch somehow. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, because, like, even within Dragon Ball, you would think with, like, people throwing key blasts and stuff like that, you'd have more, like, visceral moments like this. But a lot of times it's, I don't want to call it, like, clean, but it's, like, there's blood and all of that stuff, You see course. blood, but you, you don't really, like, see, like, the insides of, like, their arm. You don't see, like, muscle or tissue and stuff. 
you, you don't see the insides of anything and it's blood spraying everywhere and stuff like that. Like normally if it's blood, it's like dripping like a single like a little drip, like a faucet drip, like blip, 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 then like, that's like it. You, you didn't turn your faucet off all the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, Broly doesn't bleed that much either, but it's like gushing out, which you don't see in like Dragon Ball at all. For, so, for like, sure. That I, I totally get where you're coming from. Also, just to go back to the key sword, I like that Vegeta literally like takes the Super Saiyan hair, like yellow hair, and then turns it into a sword because he's like he's fighting with black hair at that point. It's like he turns oh, he yeah, takes I guess the Super that's Saiyan true. energy and turns it into a blade. Which I feel like that's something that should have happened in the franchise at some point where they just take their energy and put it into objects. I guess that would have made like Dragon Ball a completely different series. It, <laughs> Dragon Ball with swords. <laughs> that would have been fucking sweet. It would have just made it bleach. I, I know I keep bringing up bleach, but <laughs> I mean, look, we can rag on bleach all we want, but bleach is still kind of cool every once in a while. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> let, let me not like uh, to bleach fans out there. Like, I'm not trying to rag on your series so much. Bleach is still cool. Lack of substance aside, it's whatever. It, it, it's still a very cool series. But it's just, I saw that, and it's just like, what if you could just, like, you know, attribute your Super Saiyan energy into other objects and everything like that? And I really like that idea. Because, like, it's not like he's fighting with the Super Saiyan, like, energy still and has a sword. It's like he chose one or the over the other. And I kind of get the idea that maybe that is how he was able to cut through, like, uh, Broly's arm. Because, like, otherwise, maybe he wouldn't have had enough whatever sword. Maybe if he had a normal sword, it would have just bounced off him or something like the bounce house. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> the sword just goes boing, boing. <laughs> but I do just like that. I like that little detail that rather than him being, like, Super Saiyan with a sword, the sword is Super Saiyan and he's normal. You know, I totally didn't, like, pick up on that, but actually, that, that does make a lot of sense. That That is actually pretty cool. <laughs> now, now I'm just thinking, man, what if Goku had a Zangpak toe? <laughs> he would have given him a reason to keep the Nyoibo. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. The Nyoibo is a Zangpak toe. That'd be cool. Exactly. He would have gone Super Saiyan and be able to go Bankai. You know, actually, I think... Mm, I haven't watched Bleach in a while. I think there might already be a character with, like, a pole like Zangpak toe. Uh, the bald guy? Ikaku? Yeah. Is that his name? I, yeah, I, I, I believe I, yeah, yeah, Ikaku, I think that's his name. But, okay, I, th I think we're finally at the point where we could talk about Goku's new transformation. I mean, first off, another, like, little Easter egg reference that, like, fans will get is, you know, while he's, like, transforming, they, like, they're clearly recreating, the like, that shot from the anime where, like, he's going Super Saiyan for the first time and you have all that lightning flashing in the background while he's doing it. Like, that that's a very specific shot, like, from that episode that I noticed. And then uh, I... Man, yeah, I went through a lot of feelings watching this transformation, because, like, it took me a bit to notice, like, and I mean, I guess we don't really see it on Vegeta, but, like, with Broly in particular, like, I love when he transforms, like, his scar kind of, like, lights up. Yeah. Like, it's kind of interesting that, like, you could see physically, like, where, like, their source of power is coming from, assumedly, and I wonder if that's supposed to tie into that bit where it's like, oh, like, the more damage that Saiyans take, the stronger they get, maybe? I wonder if that's supposed to be, like, a physical manifestation of, like, that idea from the original show. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder, but I hadn't thought about that, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I just kind of thought it was just a way for the audience to visualize, like, this power-up and everything like that, besides just, again, glowing different colors and everything like that. But that's interesting. And then, yeah, like... Because, like, Goku's transformation is really cool because, like, I mean, first off, like, when you see him, like, I guess crackling and getting charred and stuff, like, I was like, oh my, are we, are we getting Dark Goku? <laughs> like, are we getting, like, Negaverse Goku, Bizarro Goku, whatever you want to call it? Like, and, and again, like we said, it looks painful. 
like holy shit you can you can feel like the pain he's going through like going through this transformation for the first time and like you see his tail kind of like flail about and him like growing like arms on his legs and feet like it kind of feels like a take on like what they would do with super saiyan 4 and gt where like that transformation specifically is kind of pulling from his primate ozaru dna i guess i don't know yeah and it's funny when we were discussing it i was just kind of like man they should do this and then i i actually completely forgot about super saiyan 4 where they kind of touched upon this but definitely not to the extent that this did yeah there are like scenes from throughout the franchise where like when goku does like specific attacks and transformations that like there is this idea that like he's pulling power from that like ozaru side of him which i've always thought is pretty which i've always thought was like a cool concept yeah i i really like the fact that it's not like gone completely and definitely with this thing it it shows that like he he literally go becomes like the monkey king the sun goku like that he's named for the savior of heaven yeah exactly all I could, I, I, I realize this is not bad, but all I could think of was like, um, oh God, I, I know the Japanese name for this thing, but not the English one. Like God, like it, the, the Pokemon, the, God, what is his name? I don't remember. But anyway, like, I, uh, I'm sure some Pokemon fans are like cringing right now and it's really bad, but like, yeah, <laughs> like Goku's transformation looks like it's Gokazaru in Japanese, but I do not, Infernape, there we go. Oh, I remember okay, okay. now. Yeah, <laughs> Infer- I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of, I mean, obviously Infernape, I mean, and um, Son Goku, they take expirations from the same, you know, journey to the West. But I just, and, and I'm sure that, I'm sure that maybe the animator, I don't know if the animators thought about that, and it wouldn't be surprising. I, 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 feel, like, some- I feel like that's intentional, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought about it a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a takeoff of Journey to the West, but like, was there any inspiration from the Pokemon? But like, I, I thought it might have been like a, a far reach for that. But now talking to you and like kind of um, thinking back on it, I, I feel like they're at least a little bit because mm-hmm. I feel like I, I've said it before that like Dragon Ball is one of my first anime and like Pokemon was my first anime when I realized anime was anime. <laughs> and I kind of get the idea that that's not like a unique experience to me. So I wouldn't be surprised if like some people on the animation staff also grew up on Dragon Ball and Pokemon. So I could see that. Um, oh, but, I, mean, I mean, we mentioned already but like when goku starts breathing fire and it like lights his head on fire i genuinely thought we were gonna get like super saiyan ghost rider like i was joking but i wasn't honestly (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know what i was at that point like when the fur and the scars on his body were encroaching his chest and going up to his head i was just like what are we doing what What is going on here are you like yeah like and then, like, he breathed the fire, and then it just, like, and then when he turns to the camera, and it's like, you could just see him roar- doing, like, he's, like, just got the monkey face, and he's, like, roaring, and it's just, oh, man, like, for that second. And then when he's, like, fighting Broly, and he's, like, running on all fours and everything, I'm like, yo, and <laughs> I was like, this is sick. This is the kind of, like, transformation that I love to see more in the, like, franchise where it's just like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, the Saiyans are, like, they're the warrior monkey race. And, yeah, I would love to see more of a tap into that side of the Saiyans. Yeah, it's it's so fucking cool. It's It might be the best transformation in the franchise, even though it's not officially a part of the franchise, honestly. But, um, 
this might be a weird reference because uh, we're actually putting this episode up on the main feed first, and this episode of the, this regular episode of the podcast hasn't come out on the main feed yet. It's coming up soon, I promise. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't help but think like, oh, this this is like an extreme version of like when Goku went like feral on Master Roshi, or sorry, huh. sorry, Jackie Chun during their final fight <laughs> in the twenty first tournament. True. This is just an extreme version of that, basically, because he at this point he he is just a demonic monkey child. Yeah. Yeah. Like like he like he's literally like running on all fours and shit and beating the shit out of Broly and like that stuff's really cool. I don't have like a whole lot of specifics about this fight I want to mention other than it's just it's just cool. Obviously Goku and Vegeta like team up to do a Kamehameha, which again I'm not I know I'm not supposed to overthink this, but I just couldn't help but be like, wait, how does Vegeta know what a Kamehameha yeah, is? That was my initial thought, but like then I just like you know, I'm just going along for a It's just like whatever, it's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. At this point, like, they is that sort of like, is it quasi a reference to how Gohan defeats Cell? Like, that's what I was kind of thinking a little bit. Maybe? I mean, I, I don't expect, I'm not saying it's one to one. It's kind of like similar. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was saying. Like, no, I, I obviously, yeah, there, there's a league of difference between the two, but I did like the idea of like Goku and Vegeta doing this like Kamehameha together. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like Gohan having Goku in the background for his during, you know, the Cell games. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I was thinking that too. Like, yeah, how does Vegeta know that? I, but like, at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, at this point in the spe- in the um, movie, they've established that this is an alternate universe thing. So yeah, whatever. Let's just ride with it. <laughs> like, if we're going to question that, then we should also question Goku, like being an actual monkey, <laughs> like no, for breathing sure. fire and becoming a monkey. So <laughs> like, yeah. So but when they both do the Kamehameha together, like when Broly gets blasted away again, there's like it's very against Studio Trigger, just the way like his face contorts and like he gets blown away. Yeah, he kind of looked like the Spiral King from uh, Gurren Lagan a bit. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking Gamagori from Kill a Kill, but like actually you're probably right. Yeah, that's a better example. Yeah, like like the way he like contorts and is like consumed by the blast, uh pr- presumably dead. Um <laughs> yeah, like just just the way like it got all like sketchy and scratchy and whatever, like it felt very much like something out of Gurren Lagann specifically, I think the way that was drawn and i mean that not not a whole lot of thoughts on like the key collision blast thing but it still looked pretty cool especially the way like their blast like kind of turned into a dragon and like kind of ate up broly's blast that was kind of cool yeah that was that was all really super like amazing and it, again the, the sound work i don't think we talked to i mean we talked about voice acting but yes the sound design and work on this is also amazing oh holy shit it's all top notch yeah yeah it's yeah like no no complaints on that front whatsoever and i also love the way that like before broly gets blasted i guess after he gets consumed by the blast like the way that the tournament like arena walls kind of like bend around a bit like i really love how like bendy the environments can be like when necessary yeah no that goes back to what i was saying about how much i love that the backgrounds are part of the are part of like the environment of this thing is are used really effectively yeah i really like that about this and yeah they, it, it is those little like uh nods are amazing in the fact that like yeah he wouldn't just go flying through it, it, it again it goes back to us joking about it but it's actually kind of true or it's like i feel like they did build the stadium just like every time they know goku's gonna show up they they had to kind of build this a little differently so yeah i i kind of liked it that it does as you said it bends around him before giving way and let he flies off and everything like that mm-hmm 
And then, yeah, we, we talked about it already, but yeah, Goku finally remembering who Chi-Chi was. Again, this this poor woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Vegeta being like, hey, look, dude, I'm here to like draft you for the for the Saiyan war, basically. You better get your affairs in order. It's time for war. And I'm just like, okay, cool. When's the next episode? Oh, we don't know. Okay. Like, <laughs> man, I... Yeah. Uh, God, yeah, I, I like- need... I, I need at least, like, 11 more episodes of this. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's like, again, going into this not knowing what the plot would be and then it ending there, like, I, I mean, all I knew before going in was you linked it and you're like, oh, yeah, it's only, like, 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's going to be a self-contained story. So what could happen, I what was could wrong. happen in 10 minutes? Like, yeah, I was wrong. Like, all right, like, self-contained, you know, they'll fight and then what from there but no it, it it does legitimately seem to be setting up for like an entire series which hey i mean great for them but like like you i need more of this and like the fact of jesus like if you love that woman go get married to her because you're not gonna see her for a minute and i love the priorities in that statement i just i like like, like that whole like exchange between vegeta and goku where vegeta's like we have to repair for what war <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, it's it's like I I can I can see like maybe why some people might think it's like a little like cheesy action movie esque, but also like it's a, it's a it's a good beat to end off on. Like I I want more. I do. <laughs> I, I totally am just like on that. Like it did make me think of the future on war were declared. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's a great place to just. I mean, well, actually, Colton, that's not the end. Yeah, there's a fucking post-credit scene where Broly is blasted into the moon. Assumedly, I think it's the moon, and we just see him like cursing Kakarot's name until until he he says Vegeta's name. Now Vegeta's on Broly's shit list, and (laughs) he's not dead. He's definitely gonna come back. And I, I love the way it fades out and like. You see, like, it, like his eyes and his scars, like, light up, like, ooh, I got chills. <laughs> yeah, same. Like, it's not often with this franchise that, like, things are legitimately scary, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say this was scary, but it definitely was foreboding. And Dragon Ball, it does a lot of things where foreboding isn't one of them. I, I, honestly, I thought it was kind of chilling, like, ooh, I'm actually kind of scared of Broly. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that reaction. Like, I just, uh, I I guess for me, it wasn't so much scared. I like the forebodingness of that. Uh, is that a word even? <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I just like, I like that. Like, you don't get that much out of Dragon Ball proper. Like, things are pretty much pretty straightforward. You know what's coming. You know what's happening and everything like that. Especially, I mean, to be fair to Dragon Ball, it's, all, it's just kind of part of being an old franchise at this point that most people have seen. Yeah, for sure. So... There's that. But yeah, it's not often that you get like this kind of ending with Dragon Ball where things are like chilling to an extent. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, but we uh we did it. We talked about it. And uh yeah, all, almost 90 minutes, just like I thought it would be. Might be a little shorter by the time I edit this, but whatever. Um, I mean, do we have any final thoughts? I mean, I feel like we're just repeating ourselves. Like, if you haven't watched this for some reason, like, go do it. <laughs> yeah, go watch it. Uh, go like, do it. <laughs> it's... It's short, first and foremost, which is probably the only real, like, um, I wouldn't say that. It's the only good thing about it. I wouldn't call it. this a criticism, <laughs> necessarily, but it's probably the uh, probably the one thing that I, I would say that I'm just, like, uh, about with this is just that it is short. But if you, even if you are not seriously into Dragon Ball or anything like that, like, it requires a little bit of knowledge of the franchise, but you don't need too much. 
Like, it is very much a self-contained thing. I disagree with that, actually. Like, the Easter eggs and, like, homages to, like, different moments from the franchise are nice. But I feel like even if you don't know those, like, if you're just looking for, like, a cool piece of animation, at the very least, like, this will be up your alley. I think this is something that, like, anyone could watch and get enjoyment out of. Yeah, I was le- I was kind of alluding to her is the fact that even if you don't know Dragon Ball at all or have no interest in it, if you're an animation fan, you owe it to yourself to check this out. I mean, it's short. It's amazing. Well done, and definitely a great passion project. The sound design, the voice acting, everything is top notch for this. So, I mean, I know we're talking about this on a Dragon Ball podcast, but if this were just animation and had nothing to do with Dragon Ball, I would still say it's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think this is good, even if you're not a fan of the franchise. Like, I showed this to a friend of mine last night who, like, she she's aware of Dragon Ball and she's watched a bit of it, you know, back in the day, but doesn't really keep up with the franchise anymore because she's not really interested. And I totally understand that. But I showed this to her and I mean... <laughs> I think uh, I I forgot to mention, but she she was also in agreement that like man, Chichi, you could do better. Like that was that was like one of the first <laughs> things she said while watching. It was pretty good. Um, and you know she also doesn't really like care a whole lot about animation or whatever. She's not something I don't think she's like. She's not as interested in it as, say, as, like, I am. Like, she is not as uh, obsessive about it as I am. Just say you, she's not a soccer gun. Okay, <laughs> no, she is not. <laughs> she appreciates it, though, and, and even she was like, that was pretty cool. Like, you know, e- even someone who, like, has been kind of away from the franchise and doesn't really keep up with it still appreciated it. Like, I, I think this is one of the few Dragon Ball things that, like, really has a lot of broad appeal in that, you know, unlike the current state of the franchise doesn't just rely on like old callbacks to stuff that you saw in your childhood, you know? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, if we wanted to do a DB MCU with this guy to helm, I'd be fine with that. Oh my God. <laughs> Cause you know, the MCU is obviously made for people who don't read the comic books. Pretty much. Yeah. So like if we wanted to, if, if somebody, if somebody who at the power or, at Shoeisha or Toei or somebody wanted to be like, you know what? We want to do more Dragon Ball. We want to do a Goku into the Goku verse. <laughs> like oh, man hey i'm sure this guy would love to take you up on that offer i am begging the people at toei who i would be shocked if nobody at toei has seen this because like it's getting a lot of attention like like we mentioned at the top of the show it's it's surpassed 2.5 million views on youtube like millions of people have seen this in like four days too like that i think that's pretty good yeah like i would be really shocked if anybody from toei saw this and were just like now we're not going to put them on any of our like I I really hope that like somebody who worked on this gets to work on a fish on an official Dragon Ball product because they really deserve it. Yeah, especially with anime in general, like in general now is becoming more of a thing where I've seen people on Twitter like like people from outside Japan working on anime episodes. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, Japan needs all the animators they can get, let's just say. Yeah, th- definitely. So like, it's not like it's not like in the past where it's like, yeah, Japanese, you're not Japanese and we're not interested in you. But like, yeah, you have literal people from all around. I mean, Toei has a Philippine like Toei Animation Philippines that regularly works on their stuff. And I've seen like uh, Henry Thurlow. Yeah. Yeah, he works on One Piece and he's, you know. I think he's American, yeah. Or, or at least I don't think he's Japanese anyway. Yeah, he's definitely not Japanese. I don't know his nationality, but like he works on One Piece regularly. So like I, I wouldn't be surprised like if they really wanted to, I'm sure Toei could tap to, um, Nasir and like ask him to do something. But even if they don't want to like do anything with the official thing, like I said, a Dragon Ball MCU with like movies from guys like Nasir, I would be down for it. Like if they were to give him like the time and money to just do a straight up movie of this guy. God. Oh, God. Yeah, I I need 
I, I, I need more of this and I need it now, <laughs> but I can also wait another four years if it is necessary. I fluffed that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, I've said it before, but like if, if it's drip fee where we're going to get 10 minutes every four years, then that is also fine. Cause I want these animators. I want this year to be healthy. I want the animators to be healthy. I want them to be able to recognize their vision the way they want to, because as we know with anime, it's often not budget. It's time. No. And yeah, they, they also specifically say at the top of the video, they did this like with no money. They literally just did this out of passion and nothing else. Yeah. And and it shows. I think that's why it's like really circulating right now. And I'm sure it's just going to get even bigger by the time we put this episode out. But like, yeah, people fucking love like like I've seen fan art for this stuff. Like I'm, I'm seeing like so much love for this already. Like I think everybody all across the board agrees that this is like an amazing piece of work. And, and it deserves to be seen by everyone. Yeah, it does. Like, again, we're definitely repeating ourselves like this is a sign to end this. Yeah. But even if you don't give a fuck about Dragon Ball at all, still watch this. You should. You should. And yeah, I mean, I think that's going to about do it. I mean, legend, a Dragon Ball tale. Um, Good. Um, Oh, boy. But yeah, I think I think we should definitely end the show before we just start gushing for like another 20 minutes or whatever. Um, It's it's good. <laughs> Go watch it. I don't have anything else to say. I'm probably going to watch it like another four or five times. Um, it's just, I don't know, Dragon Ball's good. I don't know what you want me to say. It's just, it's just good. And yeah, I guess that's going to be about it for the episode. Again, for those who are waiting for us to get back to our watch through, don't worry. It will have your regularly scheduled episode of Another Day, Another Adventure next time as we go over I was episodes 26 to 28 with a special guest. Uh, we're getting to the end of the 21st, but okay. I'll just say ahead of time, good episodes. Not only good episodes of the show, but also a good episode of the podcast coming up. I really enjoyed recording that episode with our esteemed special guest. But yeah, I guess until then, we can go ahead and start plugging our stuff. And I guess, Sakaki, I'll let you go first. Where can the people find you? Yes, uh, you can find me at Kirovon, K-I-I-R-O-V-O-N, on Twitter. Like, now I'm on my playing video games arc. <laughs> so, like, there'll be a lot of that. So, and for once, I, I actually can't shit on my main feed. Because, like, yeah, it's actually fun to be playing video games again. Hey, there you go. Uh, but where you can really find the hard work is uh, at WSS Talkback on Twitter, where we talk about Shonen Sunday and all the wonderful things that are in the magazine that aren't just Conan or whatever Takahashi is doing. There are a lot of magazine Twitters out there, but we're the only one that talks about the, ma the entire magazine every week. So definitely looking for that. Um, there's also wsstalkback.blogspot.com. It hasn't been updated in a while. I'm hoping to start updating it soon, but like we do reviews of Shonen Sunday manga, translations of interviews. I actually have one I want to post soon, so hopefully that'll happen. Um, and as always, if anybody is interested in writing about Shokakukan things, it doesn't have to be just Shonen Sunday. It can be... It doesn't have to be current Shonen Sunday, I should say. It can be the other Shogakukan magazines. If you're interested in writing about them, then yeah, we always love to have guest writers. I'm also on other podcast. I, I hesitate to say on because I haven't been on for a while, but there's also a Demon Slayer podcast that I do with my, our good friends, Marion and V-Lord, at D Slayer Podcast on Twitter. You know, I haven't been on there for a long, long time, so if you're looking for me specifically, you might be disappointed. <laughs> um, there's also Saturday Night Shoggy, at Saturday Night Shoggy, which is kind of affiliated with the um, WSS Talkback Twitter. Like, uh, it is a Shonen, it is a Shogakukan podcast where we talk about things that come specifically from that publisher. And V-Lord recently said that he finished editing an episode, so hopefully we'll be able to start posting stuff again soon. We've taken a long hiatus, mostly because V-Lord's developed a life, lucky bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah V-Lord has real friends, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, like, biggest anime betrayals. <laughs> but, um... 
<laughs> but yes, uh, we're hoping to start uploading stuff soon. Um, I guess you could sort of say unofficially we're looking at maybe coming back in September with like new stuff. So I, I don't know when Vila is going to put up the new episode, but I think he might have already. But either way. Like, we'll start recording new stuff in September, hopefully. And, of course, the one podcast that has survived the V-Lord Has a Life drought. At Shaman King Pod, Oversoul Shaman King Podcast, uh, which is, well, obviously about Shaman King. So, definitely give those a look-see. I also write for Toonami Faithful, and, you know, thanks to Toonami Faithful, I'm going to be able to go to Otakon for free <laughs> as press. So, probably I'll be writing something for the first time in a long time for Toonami Faithful. So, if you like stuff I've written there, definitely give that a look-see. And look forward to my Otakon writing up and yeah that's generally where you can find me on the interwebs all right definitely go follow all sakaki stuff as well as my stuff you can find me on twitter at sniper king 323 i also host and produce a lot of my own other podcasts that you can find links to over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com uh over there you click on the podcast page you'll basically find literally everything I'm a part of, uh, including past projects I'm not involved in anymore, but still want to link anyway, uh, as well as other guest spots I've done for other podcasts over the years. So literally, you want to find all my other stuff, you can go to my personal blog once again at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, but as for this show, you should follow us on Twitter at AnotherDBPod. That's where you can find the latest updates on the podcast. And then uh, I guess you can also email us at anotherdbpod at gmail.com. Uh, what are your thoughts on Legend of Dragon Ball Tale? Or do you just have any just general Dragon Ball thoughts you want to send us your way? Email us anything about Dragon Ball the podcast. If you send us an email, we'll read it on the show. We love getting emails. We haven't gotten a whole lot yet, but if you send us an email, we will read it on the show. Again, that's at anotherdbpod at gmail.com. Uh, special thanks to my friend Taylor at TaySamey on Twitter, that's T-A-Y-S-A-M-E-Y, for the great album art that she did for us that I commissioned her for. It's really great. It's one of my favorite things about the podcast, our artwork and logos and everything. So if you've ever listened to our podcast and thought, man, I really like your guys' album art, you should go tell Taylor that on Twitter, maybe even commission her for something. Tell her that another DB pod sent you and let her know how much you like her stuff. And then I guess if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps the visibility of our show and helps us get to more listeners. And then I guess uh, if you've been listening to our podcast and you're caught up and you're like, oh man, I really want to listen to more of this show. Well, guess what? The five newest episodes of Another Day, Another Adventure are on patreon.com slash mangamavericks at the $3 tier. Specifically, we're over there. You'll get the latest five episodes of the podcast before they're up on our main feed. And yeah, that's basically at least another five hours of us talking about Dragon Ball. And who doesn't want that in their life? I know I do. Again, that's at patreon.com slash mangamavericks. Uh, please go there if you want to uh, support us and listen to more of this podcast. And yeah, I guess that's going to be about it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. And uh, yeah, I guess until then, we'll see you guys another day for another adventure. Kakarot. Stop calling me that. That name is your birthright. For you, just like I, are the legacy of a proud race of golden warriors. We are the keepers of the primal light. Your light is out of control and must be refined to be useful. Your days under the sun are numbered, Kakarot. So marry that woman while you still have the chance and come with me. We have to prepare. For what?
War.